Hi, this is John Ratzenberger. That's right, the same John Ratzenberger that played the part of the very handsome mailman on the TV show Cheers. Now, it's a little-known fact that, in my heart, I'm just a country boy. Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town. Misleading marketing gets called out for what it is, and you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Myotoxins continue to be a real threat to poultry and livestock operations. They are the invisible toxin that cannot be seen by the naked eye. A comprehensive myotoxin mitigation program should be in all livestock operations. Dr. Alexandra Weaver is a member of the Alltech Myotoxin Management Team, providing nutritional and technical support globally since 2013. Dr. Weaver has been focused on the area of myotoxins for over 10 years and has a passion for this topic. She obtained her MS and PhD in animal science and nutrition from North Carolina State University with a focus on myotoxins, specifically investigating their effects on performance, immunity, oxidative stress, gut health, and reproductive capacity in pigs. Good morning, Dr. Weaver. <laughs> Good morning. So globally, so you, you travel globally? Yes. Yep. I, I do travel globally. We support our global uh, all-tech team um, throughout the world. Uh, spend most of my time in the U.S. and Canada, but certainly have a global role as well. Do you go to Ireland at all? Um, that's actually one place I have not been. <laughs> oh, you love it there. Now, do you, when you come in through customs and they say, have you visited a farm, you have to say yes? Uh, yep. Uh, if I had been, yes. Normally I'm going to conferences and meetings. And what do they do? They burn your shoes or what happens? (laughs) Um, I'm not sure on that actually, since I've never been in that experience. Oh, because they always ask and I always thought, well, I'll just say yes, just see what happens. (laughs) Maybe you don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So what are myotoxins? Yep. So, uh, mycotoxins are chemical substances that are produced by molds. So when the mold is stressed or undergoes an environmental change um, that that causes it to change its metabolism, it can produce these toxins, um, these little chemical molecules. So the mold is the the living, visible compound uh, organism, but the mycotoxin is just the chemical substance that's produced by these molds. And there's actually over 500 different mycotoxins that have been identified so far. So they really are potentially in every feedstuff globally. Um, they're, you know, they're very common. There's hundreds of different compounds, and they are very tricky because they're invisible, so they can be a kind of a hidden challenge on the farm. Um, now, the, I think it's important to know that the production of mycotoxins by molds can vary a lot. 
It depends on the mold you have and the environmental conditions that you're looking at or that your your molds are growing in. Um, if it's a stressful climate, like a very uh, drought situation, a very hot situation, mm. you might get some molds producing toxins. Um, if you have a wet or cold situation um, when those plants are growing, then maybe you'll get a different mold and a different mycotoxin. But really, there's a lot of factors on the farm from the growth of the crop in the field through to the feeding out to the animal of those feeds where molds can grow and mycotoxins can be produced. You mentioned something about mycotoxins being under stress. Yep. So these are produced when the mold is under stress. Oh, the mycotoxins are produced. Yep, exactly. So the mold you can see, but the mycotoxins you can't. Exactly, exactly. So the mold is is growing and, and then they produce these toxins. How is it under stress? So it may be stress because of the temperature out in the the environment, or maybe the moisture. Um, Maybe there's too much water or not enough water, or there may be competition by other molds on that plant or other insects or other challenges that are causing this mold to say that it's in a stressful situation and now it needs to produce these toxins. So are the mycotoxins attached? Because it sounds like somewhere the mold or the mycotoxins have a collective brain if they're feeling all this at the same time. Right. So the molds would be would be sensing these changes. It could be that temperature change. It could mm-hmm. be a pH change in their environment. And so as this reaction, they produce the toxins. Um, and then the toxin is just, it's a non-living chemical. So it's just a secretion from those molds. It's amazing. <laughs> Wish I had paid more attention in science classes. <laughs> oh. Well, the question is, why should mycotoxins be on my radar? Yep. So I think. I mean, why should I? Yeah. Why should I care about mycotoxins? Yep. So, so I think for the the agricultural industry, it's certainly very important because there's so many different compounds, and they're so common. Um, in surveys that we've done with our our program, we've seen that. Almost all of the samples we analyze contain two or more mycotoxins. So there's a lot of toxins out there, and they come in multiples, or they come in um, a multi-mycotoxin contamination. So when you have this frequent contamination, a high probability, and then your animals are consuming these mycotoxins, there can be negative effects on those animals um, in terms of performance and health. Do they migrate to the foodstuffs? So they're are they sec- just in the air? Or? Yep. So they're so if the mold is growing on the plant and then it produces these toxins, it'll the toxins will be incorporated into that that crop. So say your corn grain, and then you harvest it and your animal consumes the corn grain, and then oh, they consume dear. the toxins. So then once they consume toxins, obviously there's changes uh, that can happen to their health and their overall performance. How does that manifest itself? The- when they ingest the mycotoxins, is it a, a, a cough or they just fall down? Or So, yep. So there's a lot of different symptoms we can look for, and it really depends on the mycotoxin we're looking at and how much of it the animal consumes. We can have some more kind of chronic effects where they might have a decreased intake of feed. Uh, maybe they don't grow as well. Maybe they have some gut challenges. They're not digesting their nutrients mm. as well, or maybe they have gut pathogens. Um, and then there's more sort of acute 
problematic challenges where maybe those animals um, have some organ damage, maybe they, um, they're not producing like they should be, uh, maybe their milk production or their meat production isn't what they should be. Um, and if we get to very high concentrations, it could actually kill that animal. And that goes for uh, cows and pigs? and. Yep, all animal species can be affected by these mycotoxins. Anything here. eating, what about, that's right, chickens eat grains, so the chickens would be. Yep, so chickens, poultry, um, horses, dogs, cats, fish, but cows, pigs. doesn't affect people. Uh, it would. There, there, there are very strict regulations, though, on the consumption of uh, or the contamination of mycotoxins in human food products. So it's it's very tightly regulated, but there are regulations to help prevent humans consuming mycotoxin-contaminated oh, materials. It's a really a fascinating subject. It is. It's a very challenging subject <laughs> with all the different problems that we can have and all the different types of toxins that are out there. Oh, it's a good thing we have people like you on the case. <laughs> Kind of like a, 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 a mycotoxin detective. Yep, we try to try to look for all the toxins and see what's there and, and be kind of proactive on the situation, try to prevent any challenges from happening. Well, when you see uh, certain elements arrive at the same place, same time, what would that be? Uh, uh, dark clouds, cold weather, or, I mean, where's where's the most likely place for these to incubate? Um, yep. So they're they're global. It's a global challenge. Um, if we look within the U.S., we can see that a lot of the times in like the, the upper Midwest, if we have a lot of very heavy rains, a lot of wet weather, then that will cause a development of certain mycotoxins up there. Um, whereas you might have a very different pattern, say, in the southern U.S., because you have maybe more of a drought condition, very hot climate. And so that causes different molds to be stressed and to produce mycotoxins. Well, where do the where do the molds grow? Because I, I know from you know building uh, uh, carpentry in my in my life, um, you know behind drywall, uh, you know you see black mold and, mm-hmm. but it has to have a dark. I was always told mold has it's got to have dark, wet, and warm. Yep. So that depends on the type of mold. Um, so some oh. of them, they obviously grow out on the plants out in the field. The sun is is fine. Um, so you can see that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they'll there there can be visible molds on that that say that corn plant while it's growing. Um, they they will they originally um, come from the soil. So the spores and those molds are growing naturally in the soil. But the problem is is when you get the overabundance of these, they the molds grow up onto the plant. And then when you get those stressful conditions, either excess water, excess moisture, excess temperatures, um, some change in their environment, then they, they'll grow and produce these mycotoxins. So is there any value of, of raising a crop and then for the next season leave that ground fallow? And then does it, would that clear out the, the mold or... So the molds are always going to be in the soil. It's it's pretty hard to get rid of them. Um, they're just naturally there. And if you leave any kind of crop material from the previous year on the field, that actually can increase your risk oh, because sure. it provides a nice place for the molds to grow yeah, and yeah. easily contaminate the next year's crop. So if you if you try to kind of clean out that crop, that, that field, that actually can help not eliminate your risk, but maybe reduce your risk just because you don't have that contamination from the old crop. When you drive by a, a farm, do you have the ability to say, yeah, this is probably a good 
a good place to look for them? Um, it that really depends. Sometimes you can certainly see that crop quality is poor and there's a good chance of having a mold growth and a mycotoxin contamination. Other times you can have a crop that looks completely healthy and happy. It's, you know, that corn is giving a lot of yield. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the grains that you're looking at, you have a great crop, but they can actually have a lot of mycotoxins sometimes. So without having a test in a laboratory for these mycotoxins, it actually, you really don't know if they're there or not because you can't see them. Your grains can look fine and you can still have some or they can look fine and you don't have any. So you don't really don't know. That's fascinating. Um, I know I, I went off the script here. Is there anything else that, um, that I interrupted that you wanted to say? Um, well, I think just getting to the idea of our um, of testing for mycotoxins is important. And we do have our Alltech 37 Plus laboratory that's located. We have one in Lexington, Kentucky, and one in Dunboyne, Ireland. And we See, test... Ireland. Yep, there we go. <laughs> we test for um, actually up to 50 different mycotoxins in every sample that's submitted. And we can test the raw grains. We can test forages that are used, say, on the ruminant side. Um, we can test byproducts, plant proteins, complete rations. Um, and so we can really get a good picture of all the different mycotoxins that are potentially there from your very common ones like aflatoxin B1 to some of what we call our masked or emerging mycotoxins, which are ones that we can't detect easily with very you know more simple methods. What we use is actually a um, very high technology, which we, we call liquid chromatography with tandem mass spectrometry, which is um, LCMS-MS for abbreviation. So it actually looks at the very detailed chemical structures of those mycotoxins, and we're able to to really see what mycotoxins are there, how much do we have, and this whole range of multiple mycotoxins potentially contaminating together. Uh, how soon in your life did you uh, become interested in such things? In mycotoxin work? Well, or just in that uh, looking into a microscope and wondering what's going on. <laughs> Um, so I, I look. How old were you? Uh, I mean, pretty young. I've always been interested in the in science and and sort of understanding what's going on. And um, I guess it probably started really in in high school or, or undergraduate, taking a lot of biology classes. Were your parents involved in this field at all? No. <laughs> so so what went on in the house had no bearing on your interest in uh, in this field then. Nope, no, just sort of what I I always have liked and and Isn't went with that, that. That's interesting. Yep. Because usually it's something you see around the house, and so you were just you were destined. You were exactly okay. <laughs> well, how does all text thirty seven plus test help you you fight back faster? Um. So this is a a great test that we have that really is a you know not only does it provide a lot of information on all those 50 different mycotoxins that we're looking at and all the multiple toxins together. But it allows us to get a a very quick result. It only takes about 13 minutes to run that sample through the machine. Um, And it allows for a very detailed result of what's going on, not only what mycotoxins you have, but what does it mean to your animal? So is it are these mycotoxins a lower risk, a moderate risk, or a higher risk to that animal species or age? And so then that allows the producer to really make a a quick uh, diagnosis of what's going on, 
and decide on their remediation strategies for helping with those mycotoxins um, and also quickly develop an effective mycotoxin management program. So it can really help them if they have a problem figuring out what the problem is or if they want to be proactive and try to prevent a problem, they can get a result and quickly see do I have toxins or not? How much do I have? And, um, you know, how do I go about preventing any problems? So the mycotoxin is that element of that substance that you don't want to breathe in when you're tearing apart an old house. or Yep, so the mold a, spores and, and sometimes they produce toxins. Or, or, yep. or basement. Mm-hmm. That's why you wear the masks. Right, yep. Because I know somebody in, uh, that uh, was tearing apart... Uh, she bought a building and wanted to show, I guess, that she was tough or whatever, but started tearing apart the drywall and the old stuff, and in two weeks she was dead. Some of those, that black that black mold, those yeah. spores are very bad because they can actually, the mold itself can be inhaled into your body, and it's, then that completely uh, challenges your system. and, and yeah, Starts growing pretty, in your lungs because yeah, it's exactly. got all the elements, dark, exactly. moist. And that particular mold likes those types of environments. Yeah, yeah. It was, she was actually a, a, a yoga instructor. Picture of health. Bam, two weeks later. So it's really dangerous stuff. Um, well, how do I arrange a 37-plus test? Yep, so the, the best way really to get a 37-plus test done is to contact your local Alltech representative. Um, they can help collect the sample. We want to have really good collection methods and sampling methods. Um, they can also help fill out submission forms for the laboratory and get that sample submitted to the lab. Well, how do I find an Alltech representative? I mean, is, are you in the phone book or is it on, <laughs> online? Or? Yep, so we have our website um, that would have the the different offices and different um, people who work within those regions, and so they can be contacted uh, contacted through our company. So the contiguous 48 is easy to find? Or? Yep, so we you have know. we have uh, people all over the Hold world. Oh, well, yeah, I guess if you're in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, there was always a, a saying that I think is so true that if it weren't for whiskey, the Irish would have taken over the world. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> of, 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 of the guys I know I grew up with, it's certainly true. Um, well, you, I'm sure you have a website. What? Uh, how do we get to your website? Yep, so to learn more about mycotoxins and our program, you can go to knowmycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W, oh, mycotoxins.com. Not, yes. not, not N-O. <laughs> exactly. K-N-O-W. Yes, exactly. Um, so that has a lot of information just on general mycotoxin facts and our Alltech 37 Plus program, other components of our program. Um, and also we put out a quarterly e-magazine on mycotoxins, which is called Farm Feed, so people can sign up on there for that. So does some other company already own mycotoxins.com? I am not sure about that. Because that would have been a lot easier. (laughs) We wanted everyone to know everything about mycotoxins. (laughs) All right. Well, if we look at some of the effects mycotoxins can have on animals, we see that mycotoxins uh, can have whole body impacts. Mycotoxins can reduce feed intake, cause intestinal damage or dysfunction, damage organ systems, alter reproductive capacity, and suppress immunity. As long as corn is part of the ration, 
we will battle the effects of mycotoxins. Utilizing today's technology will help us manage our feedstuffs. And I'd like to thank Dr. Weaver and encourage our listeners to join in next week to hear what's on tap in animal agriculture.